So Daniel chapter 6, the well-known story of Daniel in the lion's den. As I was marched, shackled toward the roaring beasts, I wondered if this was the end. For almost 80 years, I had served the Lord, most of it in the service of this godless empire. I had lived a long, faithful life by God's mercy, and I was not about to deny my Lord now. As a teen, I had seen my country, God's country, invaded, looted, mocked, disgraced. And I and others had been torn away from family and home and future and taken to this far off strange place then some leaders the year uh, some years later the news had uh, come to us that it was finished back home that babylon had completely and utterly destroyed our jerusalem our crown and joy the, the lord's crown and joy there was going to be no going back home now And yet I knew that the Lord had let it happen. The Lord had caused it to happen. The Lord had raised up this evil empire to to swallow us, to tear us, to grind us for our sins. Our God was still in control. And so if God had, had disciplined us like this for our wickedness, what could I do in exile but but humbly receive this discipline and seek to learn from it? What could I do but turn back to my God? What could I do but live faithfully toward the Lord no matter what? And and so this is what I resolved to do and, and several friends with me. First, there had been the pagan food from the king's table, the unclean, defiled, unlawful to eat food. We resolved that we wouldn't eat it. And God gave me wisdom and and tact to know how to handle that situation. I asked the official who was in charge of us to to put us to the test. Give us only vegetables and water for 10 days and, and see if we did not look at least as healthy and fit as the rest. If not, we would eat the king's food. But, but if we stayed healthy, why not let us continue to eat the food our God commanded us? Well, we had honored God in that circumstance, and in turn, God had honored us. In fact, great did the Lord honor us. Not only did God cause us to exceed in health, winning us the diet of our choice, but, but also the Lord caused us to rise to positions of influence and honor in the kingdom which held us captive. The Lord gave us wisdom and knowledge and favor, and so we were able to be lights in darkness and witnesses in in the midst of evil. Our God is in control. Well, during those years living and working in the midst of a a pagan and a godless empire, we learned when we needed to uh, flex and accommodate to do our jobs and to maintain our witness, and when we needed to stand firm, to be faithful, to honor our God. It wasn't always easy to know how to strike that balance. It certainly wasn't easy when we had to stand firm, like I needed to do as I faced those lions. As I contemplated my fate that day, I I thought back and, and I remembered how God had proved faithful to us in the past. 
I thought about the time my three friends had had to stand up for their faith. Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego. The king in his mad ego had made a great golden statue and ordered all to bow down before it. This case, in this case, uh, it, it was very clear to us what the choice was. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You must not make for yourselves any idol, neither shall you bow down to it. My three friends refused to budge. The king refused to budge as well. He could only understand their stubbornness as an act of insubordination and rebellion. You see, the Babylonians were pluralists and they could not understand that we Jews are monotheists. The Babylonians could still honor their gods and make room for another. But we Jews, we know the Lord who insists that he is the only true God and who will not make room for any other pretend God. So, no matter how great, how imposing Nebuchadnezzar seemed at the time, we had to remember that he would one day perish and his great gold statue with him. Yet our God, the great God, will endure forever. Our God, despite all appearances, is in control. And so my three friends refused to bow down. And as a result, they were cast into the fiery furnace, not knowing if God would rescue them or not. But the Lord did rescue them. More than that, he joined them in the fire, walking with them in the flames. In their faithfulness, my friends walked with God. In their obedience, they knew the Lord. And he rescued them. And so we all gave the Lord praise and, and were strengthened in our conviction that, that we would honor him no matter what. And I hung on to, to that experience as, as I now faced my own fiery furnace in the lion's den. What a day that was. I had recently received news that because of my diligent work and my faithful efforts, the new king, King Darius, was uh, promoting me. I was to be over the three officials who together were to oversee the 120 provinces of the new kingdom of media. Of course, politics is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. And it soon became clear that the three officials would not take this perceived slight lightly that a foreigner, a Jew, should be chosen over one of them. Yet, they could find no way to get at me, to, to bring me down. My public record was impeccable. I, I had worked hard and with excellence. There were no scandals to be uncovered. I had fulfilled my duties with diligence and with the wisdom that God gave me. Yet, I was a Jew, and, and perhaps on that basis alone, they could get at me. They began to scheme and to conspire, looking for support for their they're forming plans among the 120 provincial officials who they were to oversee. Eventually, they hit on something. I was a man of prayer. Like the more devout Medes and Persians around me who prayed to their gods three times a day, I prayed to the Lord, morning, noon, and night, kneeling before my God, facing Jerusalem, speaking out my prayers and my thanksgivings asking the Lord for wisdom and for help to fulfill my duties to bless the empire I was called to serve.
Given my unshakable devotion to the Lord and to his law, my rivals wondered if they could appeal to the king's insecurity and vanity. He had recently risen to power and was still consolidating his kingdom. Wouldn't it help his political prospects if everyone in the kingdom looked to him alone for the next 30 days? Instead of visiting temples or consulting priests to bring their prayers, what if they looked to the king only? Surely this would raise his importance in the eyes of the people and secure his place as their ruler. So these schemers went to him. They shared their idea and assured Darius that they were all with him and for him and would back him with this display of honor and solidarity. The king was quick to believe them. Quick to believe that all 120 provincial officials were firmly behind him in their support and would have all the people honor and look to him. Though I suspect that not more than a handful of these officials had any idea what was going on back in the capital. But the king in his vanity and in his insecurity couldn't see through this scheme and and their flattery. And so he was caught in their trap. A a trap to frustrate his plans to organize his kingdom as he saw best. A trap which would snap on me. King Darius signed the edict into law. And the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be repealed. Thou shalt not pray to any god except the king for 30 days. What was I to do? I had always tried to work within the law of the land, to to honor those in authority over me, to work for the blessing and for the good of the empire where I was a captive. Even though it be a wicked empire, it is the empire the Lord has set in place for his purposes, and, and I seek to bless it as best I can. This is my witness. This is my calling. After all, I am a child of Abraham. And we as Abraham's children know that we are called to bless the nations. And yet, what was I to do when the law of the land came into conflict with the law of our God? I contemplated my choices. Would God miss me if I didn't pray for a mere 30 days until this horror had passed? Or or better, I, I could pray secretly. In my heart, after all, God knows the heart. He could hear my prayers lifted silently in my mind or or whispered in the dark. But this had not been my habit. My practice was to kneel before my window, to face Jerusalem, and three times a day to lift my voice out loud in prayer. To stop doing so now would be to say to all around that I no longer prayed to my God, that I no longer honored my God, that I honored the king's law above my God's law. No, I could not pray silently in secret. To do so would be as if not to pray at all. I must honor my king by praying as I always did, come what may. Of course, the conspirators were lying in wait for me, listening, waiting. They knew my character. They suspected I would pray. And obtaining their evidence, they they flew off to the king to report what they had seen and heard. Not only did they report that I prayed, but they maligned my character and disparaged my motives, claiming that I was a foreigner who paid no attention to the king. At that moment, the king realized that 
they had conspired against him and against me. They had caught him and me in their trap. And though he tried all day long, the king could find no legal way to overturn their plot. He had been trapped by his own law and was now a prisoner of it just like I was all the more. How different this poor king was to whom all were now to pray. Then my king, my God, who is never a slave to his own law, but whose law is always in perfect harmony with his will and with his character. But the king and I had been trapped. And so I went trudging off to the lion's den and he off to a night of angry misery, knowing that he'd been captured and undermined by his officials and their flattery, and that I, his favored and most trusted official, had been murdered by his own hand, and there was nothing he could do about it. And yet, as I faced the hungry lions who wanted to tear me limb from limb, I forced myself to turn my eyes to my God, to remind myself Yet again, that despite all appearances, our God is in control. As the king had encouraged me, my God, whom I served continually, could rescue me from the mouths of these beasts, much like he had rescued my three friends from the fiery furnace. And yet, even if he did not, I would die being faithful to my Lord. Obedience is like that. Sooner or later, it leads you to the lion's den. And sometimes you find yourself among snapping teeth and powerful claws of of the beasts. And yet other times, as you obey, you find yourself attended by angels, surrounded by heaven itself, as God walks with you and is present with you in a profound way. Which would it be for me? Confusion, destruction, suffering, and death for my faith? or an experience of walking with God in his deliverance as never before? I would find out in the lion's den. And I did. And you know, my story is no secret to you, that God chose to deliver me. To send his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Why? Well, to honor me, no doubt, for putting my trust in him. And to prove my innocence to the king and to everyone else. I had done nothing to undermine the king. I only disobeyed the king's law because I could not disobey the law of the greater king. But also, God rescued me to display his own glory. To show that he is the greater king who must be obeyed and honored and prayed to above all. Well, after his sleepless night, the king was overjoyed to find it so in the morning. And after pulling me safely from the lions, he he instantly turned his full wrath on the conspirators and and punished, uh, or as punishment, for, for their attempts to undermine his royal wishes and to conspire against him by assassinating his top official. The king fed them and their families to the lions, and they were devoured in an instant. Then King Darius issued a new decree that all must fear and reverence my God, the God of the Jewish people. For he is the living God and his kingdom endures forever, the king said. It will never be destroyed and his dominion will never end. 
The God of Daniel rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders. You can imagine how the king's words would encourage my people, the Jews, and and how they would uh, provide them with protection in the days to come against others who might seek to accuse or persecute them on account of their faith. Amazing, isn't it, that, that God used my simple act of obedience to glorify his name among the nations, to protect his many people against further harm. This is what we believe about God, and my life is a testament of of proof to it. Despite all appearances, our God is in control. No matter what empires may rise to take control of the land, our God is King and Lord of all. He he has a, a master plan. He is working it out. His kingdom endures and outlasts all human kingdoms. He reigns in ultimate control of all. This is why we obey him as his people. This is why we trust him. And in our daily lives, our daily lives seek his kingdom above all others. For the Lord has called us as a special people to be a blessing to the nations. But how can we be a blessing if we do not honor our own Lord? If we do not obey him? If we do not put him first above all other powers and allegiances and laws. If we do not even ourselves believe that our God is in control. How can we honor him? But as we do obey him, we come to know our God in that obedience. Whether that obedience lands us in the lion's den or whether it results in our miraculous deliverance by heavenly angels. And I can assure you, as you obey, you will experience both. But in either case, despite all appearances, our God is in control. So trust Him. Obey Him. Walk with Him. If you do, you will come to know Him, and you will be His witnesses. Let's pray. God, thank you for the story of Daniel, a a story many of us learned as children and have known our whole lives. Thank you for his example of faithfulness, which has reminded your people down through the ages of what it looks like to live wisely in a foreign and hostile empire and environment to be faithful, and to seek the blessing of the place that we find ourselves. May that be true of us as well. Amen.